All right, everyone. Welcome to the Slightly Above Average Football Fan Podcast with Andrew Drozdak and Thomas Bowen. This is a podcast for slightly above average football fans, slightly below average football fans that want to learn more about the game. And if you're a football junkie, this is the podcast for you. We're glad you're here and we hope you enjoy it. All right, everybody, here we are for season two, episode 18 of the Slightly Above Average Football Fan. I'm here with my good friend. He just finished eating an entire jar of Duke's mayonnaise to celebrate the Gamecock Bowl victory. Thomas Bowen, how was that mayonnaise? Oh, it was it was thick. I mm-hmm. will say it was thick. Had a little bit of that twang, right. but I can only be thankful that it was not Miracle Will. Absolutely. Did you see Shane Beamer the video of that? Yeah. First of all, like, is he in concussion protocol? Because they whack him in the back of the yeah, head. Yeah, he got like, smacked with that cooler. Not bad enough that you get mayo all over you. Right. And I've never had to wash mayo off, but I gotta say that can't be good. You know, you know, I, I can only imagine. And um, uh, here's a pro tip that you don't often get on podcasts like this. I hear that it is good for for the hair and the scalp, but Ooh. again. I have not used it, and I imagine that it is a bear to get out. I would imagine it is. Um, He had mentioned that he does not really like um, mayo, so I imagine that was pretty rough for him. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine too, because I do like mayo, and I do. We've talked about this on on the last episode that, you know, the only mayo there is is Duke's. I still don't want four and a half gallons dumped on my head. Absolutely not. I will eat mayo, and I'll eat mayo with other things. Like, I'm not going to eat a jar. I once saw somebody try to do that, and I wanted to throw up. But um, anyway, so we will get into all of that today. We're going to talk a little bit of Clemson reaction to their bowl game win at the Cheez-It Bowl. Uh, we'll talk a little pre, uh, preview of college football playoffs, and then we're going to dive into the main event, if you will, and that's our instant reaction to the South Carolina uh, bowl game victory in the Duke's Mayo Bowl today against North Carolina Tar Heels and what we saw and thought about that. So, start off like we always do, what the world, and we're going to go ahead and talk about the SEC's bowl record coming into today, 0-4 before South Carolina got them off the snide today. Thomas, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, tough tough sledding for the SEC to start here. Um, you know, if we really want to split some hairs, uh, soon to be newcomer to the SEC, Oklahoma did win last night over Oregon, so maybe we could say that that's two. But, yeah, you're right. Um, I'm happy, happy as a South Carolina fan to, uh, to carry that banner. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm sure everybody had on their bowl game, bowl season bingo card, South Carolina gets first SEC bowl victory. I know, I mean, <laughs> right. I certainly did. So switching gears um, to the Clemson, that's our air conditioning unit going on and off, you're welcome. Um, switching gears to the Cheez-It Bowl and Clemson. Uh, Thomas, I'll real quick just talk about some of my initial thoughts and you give us yours and then we can kind of go a little bit back and forth there. First of all, Iowa State quarterback, I know his last name's Purdy. What's his first name? Brock. Brock. Did he, like, step on seven cracks and, like, bathe or, or touch a black cat? Oh, my God. I've never seen so many bad things happen to a quarterback in one game. Yeah, it, it's really bad, and he, he's, he's definitely upset something in the universe and probably needs, needs to get right with that. But right. it's also a testament to, you know, that horseshoe that Clemson has that we have talked about. We will talk about that in a second. But, like, I've seen it happen before where a quarterback tries to bat down the ball and it ends up hurting him in the long run. (laughs) I've never seen it turn into a pick six. No, that was crazy. Obviously, I've seen a quarterback run the ball and fumble it and cost himself, you know, 
possession, but not possession in a way that he actually jumps on it, but when he jumps on it, he was past the line to gain and then fell back and was not at the line to gain anymore. I think I had to rewatch that about four or five times to figure out exactly what the hell was going because on. Because I was confused by that too, to be quite honest. I you can't in, you used to not be able to advance a fumble. Right. But I guess you can go backwards with a fumble. Sure. Anyway. So my my initial really quick thoughts here about Clemson's offense under new offensive coordinator Brandon Streeter. First of all, early on he got away from it a little bit late, I I, I think. I liked their creativity in the run game. I liked what they were doing there. It felt a little bit more because all of this offense is the brainchild of Chad Morris and then, you know, the adaption and changes that Jeff Scott and Tony Elliott now at Virginia Tech brought. Virginia. Virginia, excuse me. Sorry, Virginia. Um, And then, you know, you had Chad Morris, and he worked with Gus Malzahn, and this had a little bit more of the Gus Malzahn Chad Morris feel of the offense to me. Quarterback more involved in the run game. You know, a lot of more quarterback power, quarterback counter, true designed runs. Even with um, Trevor Lawrence, when they would use him, it was very sparse. It was very he wasn't getting in a situation where he was going in between the tackles and could get hit. Right. Granted, he's not the thickest of guys. You know, like he's very tall and he's athletic. I can see where you don't want him to take a whole lot of shots, but. That was my big takeaway there was that it was more Chad Morris feel. The other thing I'll say, in certain situations, I felt like Streeter, former quarterback, didn't have a lot of faith in DJ throwing the ball. Yeah. In third down situations, mm-hmm. especially when they had the lead late in the game, it, you could tell he was like, I don't want to put us in a position where he could throw a bad ball. Right. He could throw an interception. He'd mm-hmm. get a ball tipped. And that was surprising to me. Um, I mean, I think it's smart. I, yeah. I, I think it's the way to play. But holy moly, is that surprising? Think about where we were, you know, in August and September. This guy was a Heisman Trophy candidate. Now his offensive coordinator doesn't trust him enough to throw it on third down and medium. If you if you think back to a couple months ago, I, I felt like we were, and particularly with the Clemson games, with you talking about the offense. Uh, you know, we both felt like we were beating a dead horse, but you kept talking about, you know, give set DJU up for success. Give right. him a lot of high percentage plays, right. and that's what they did. That's they exactly. played to his strengths, a lot of quick, easy throws, those perimeter throws, letting their athletes get on the edges and make plays. Right. And honestly, I thought that was a, it was a really good overall game plan for, for DJ and getting him comfortable. Absolutely. I thought it was great. I mean, quite honestly, I felt like at times Tony Elliott – was, was trying to force the issue yeah. and was pl- calling plays in a way that he would if DJ had, had more so been what they expected out of DJ at the beginning of the year. I saw an insane stat. I did not realize this. He finished the year with nine touchdowns and nine interceptions all year long. That's, That's Brett Favre. That, that is bad. Yeah. That is bad. So they've got, as Clemson does, they've got some quarterbacks coming in, some studs. This no one would have expected, in my opinion, for there to be a quarterback competition this spring in Clemson. I believe there's going to be. Yeah. I, I believe there's going to be. No, no, I think there will be. And, and honestly, you know, with with uh, Klubnik, I believe is yeah. his name, that's yeah. coming in, um, obviously he, he, he's, he's the hot hand, the, the top recruit coming yeah. in. Yeah. And as we've seen, particularly with DJ, like they don't always pan out. But you got to think – you got to think that DJ knows that like he could very easily lose this job in the spring if he hasn't already, honestly, right. and the kid hasn't stepped on campus yet. Right. But that's got to be in DJ's mind. And then you think about the portal. Does does DJ take his talents elsewhere? That's a great point. Uh, there was, I think I mentioned this before. There was a pitcher 
uh, on social media several, several weeks ago at this point of Lincoln Riley, new head coach of Southern Cal, and DJ's dad yeah. talking about, hey, he's going to take, take Southern Cal back to the promised land. Interesting. Right. Interesting. So, anyway, uh, and then on my thoughts on the defense, and then I'll let you kind of take the reins here. I thought the defense played well. The one thing I noticed a lot, in my opinion, Brent Venables did not make his linebackers read a lot. Their, their feet did not get in mud, is what I like to call it a lot. They were coming. They were either coming or they were dropping. Aggressive they, downhill. Yeah, either you're coming on a blitz or we're dropping you in coverage and there's no guess game. Yeah. And I saw that a lot last night when they were playing. They, they were, it's not bad football. You ha- they were having to read and react. But what Clemson's line – they haven't had to do a whole lot of that. Yeah. And I think some of their linebackers don't have the foot speed necessarily to do some of that with because they were recruited to do one thing, which is come and mash. And, and so that was the one thing I, I noticed. And then also I, I felt like – and, I mean, Britt Venables is a mad scientist when it comes to blitzes. I didn't see that from this new defensive coordinator. What's his name again? Remind Wes me. Wes Goodwin. Wes Goodwin. Um, he – he did a good job, but it just wasn't the same defense. Uh, yeah. Thomas, what, what were your big takeaways there? All right. So one of the things I noticed here was uh, it, it was, you know, and, and he's been with Venables for a while. And he's been Venables' uh, sort of uh, brains, if you will, behind it, breaking down tendencies. And he's, he's very Rain Man-esque, apparently, if you, if you read the tea leaves. But – I wanted to see how differently he was going to call it. He, we've talked about this before. He's never been an on-field coach. He's never called plays like that. I wasn't expecting to see a wildly different game from Clemson. Mm-hmm. He, he, was, he was very smart and that he played to the strengths of the right. defense. Um, it looked very, very similar to uh, Brent Venable's defense. I, I did notice early in the game they were, like we've talked about a lot, primarily in that 4-3, a little 4-2-5 and some passing downs right. and – Early in the game, came out in those under fronts, shifted yep. away from the tight end. Yep. Well, they started getting gashed on the back side there, on the tight end side or the right. strong side. And then they started going to more of an over front where right. they were shifted over that tight end. They were still getting gashed on that side. Mm-hmm. So I was interested to see kind of how, what kind mm-hmm. of adjustments he was going to make there. Obviously, he didn't have to make wholesale adjustments. Right. Um, we did see Skalski went out early. I don't really know what, what was happened going on there. there. I, I didn't either. I didn't see like a, like an obvious injury or right. anything. And then like maybe he just got banged up and, and came out. I, I don't know. It was weird. I, I I know, in the first answer. half, I saw him on the shor- on the sideline, shoulder pads on, Gatorade towel around his neck. He's call helping get calls in. But it was like, I, did he get a concussion? Like, I, and then he was in jersey and shorts in the second half. I didn't, that was just strange. I, I thought I'd miss something. Yeah, I, I have no idea what was there. Maybe maybe we'll find out later at some point. But um, you know, I, I don't know. I think I think bottom line is uh, it was kind of a lot of what I expected to see from a defensive game plan. Iowa State offensively didn't give them a whole lot of different looks. I think they had a good game plan going in. And look, I don't think that we thought that that this defense is going to be wildly different under Wes Goodwin. Right. We'll see what happens next fall, but um, you know, good for him. His first game gets a victory, um, and every coach wants to start out on the right foot. Absolutely, I think that's huge. And I mean, you don't even in a month, you don't have a real chance as an interim defensive coordinator or offensive coordinator to put your stamp 
on it. Like, you haven't had a chance to say, okay, it's my defense now. I'm going to run it the way I want to run it. You still you, – your players have been playing in an off in a defense for quite some time now, and they want to – I mean, they're, they're used to certain things. And that's why I think in at times early when they were having to read and react instead of come downhill, I think it was hurting them in their game plan. Mm-hmm. And I do think he, he got more aggressive, but I can tell – I don't know that that's the style he wants. I agree. I think he's, I think he's going to be a little – He's definitely not going to be as because Venables was was almost aggressive to a fault. Yes, like calling it like he's 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 playing PlayStation. That's right. I think Goodwin's going to be a little bit more tempered in some of his yep. aggressiveness, and that may pay off and be a benefit for them in the end. That's absolutely right. Absolutely right. I agree with you there. Last thing I'll say on that game is um, Matt Campbell, Iowa yep. State's coach. Yep. Um, that dude has a serious Lake City. Backwoods PD region hat uh, he bend does. on his yeah. hat bill. He does. The only thing he's missing there is a fish hook. A fish hook. You're exactly right. And I mean, I, growing up, I had the you know I'm from the upstate, but I had the the real real bend of the hat. Yeah. Never had a fishing hook on there. I wasn't cool enough for that sort of thing. But yeah, I've always known. But if you notice. The staff has it, too. Really? Like, I noticed at one point I thought I was looking at Matt Campbell because I saw the hat, and I was like, oh, wait, that's a completely different guy. Huh. So, I mean, it's like a... It's part of, it's part part of his of, uh, requirements part for Part of things, man. you got to bend to have a hat-bending yeah. session. But I can. I know coaches that have sessions with their coaches, no joke about, hey, this is what we're wearing on the sideline, and this is how you're going to wear it. Wow. Like. You that know, is micromanagement. Correct. Like you will wear these colors and this, and you know, you know, obviously you always wear your own team's colors. Right. But most guys, you know, Steve Spurrier, I imagine, was probably like, "Hey, just wear garner and black, guys. I don't really yeah, care." Who cares? But like some guys are like, "No, no, no, no. Defense, you're wearing this. Offense, you're wearing this. You need to have these color khakis. You know, yada yada, that kind of thing." I don't get it, man. No peripheral vision with that hat bill. Yeah, it's tough to see. It's tough yeah. to see, really. All right, so switching gears, we will talk a little CFB playoff. We have talked, and you can find this kind of talk anywhere, really, but we have talked about Alabama extensively this season, Georgia really extensively this season, mm-hmm. hit on Michigan. and we At had least it, twice. At least twice. We hadn't touched much on, on Cincy. I think we at least talked about them once. Yeah, we brushed and, them. And so, you know, we're not going to rehash that. We're just going to kind of take it as a, if you've listened to previous episodes, and just kind of take it to the who you got type situation here. I, you know, it's Georgia and it's Michigan. I, I've got Georgia. I, yeah. I think Georgia Georgia got bullied by Alabama. We're going to talk about that in Clutch just a second. But before that, they we talked all season. Give them the trophy, give them the trophy, give yeah. them the trophy. And then Nick Saban said, not so fast, my friends. Uh, shout out Lee Corso. But I do think they are better than Michigan. And I honestly think that their coaching staff is, is more equipped and more creative than Jim Harbaugh's staff, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I see them winning that game. Are you of the same mindset there? Yeah, yeah, I agree there. I think this is going to be a, um, you know, uh, if you look at Georgia offensively, particularly in their run game, um, they have a lot of success getting outside the tackles, off tackle, the outside zone plays. Right. You know, Michigan has – 
the best, probably, edge defender in the country in Aiden Hutchison. And then on the other end is 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 top ten, maybe top five in Ojibo, I believe yep. his name is. Ojibo. So so that's gonna be interesting to see how that is. But I think that they're gonna have a lot more success running the ball up the middle yep. on Michigan. Yeah. Um so to that end, I think Michigan is gonna be able to keep it interesting. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be a little bit of a slug fest, but ultimately I think they just don't have the horses to keep up with Georgia. And when you've got a, a Nick Saban light over there mm-hmm. coaching who is right. gonna have his team very right. dialed in and prepared right. yeah I just don't think Michigan is going to be able to keep up with and it. so much of Michigan's offense in my opinion is is predicated on the play action pass mm-hmm. and they, they you know it's, it's kind of a similar situation to South Carolina with what Marcus Satterfield likes to do and we'll get to that in a second but when you do that Georgia can stop the run yeah even Alabama said we're throwing it yeah. you know Bryce Young won the Heisman he oh, he did great all season but he dominated you know they they knew, hey, we're not running it into the teeth of this defense. Right. That is not going to do anything for yeah. us. I'm sure Michigan's going to try to plan for that. It all comes down to, as a coach, are you so hard-headed? Are you saying, we're going to do our stuff? I don't care what they do, which is some coaches do that, and you can win that way. But Muschamp couldn't. Right. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> no, he couldn't. Uh, that's why he's now, what, their special teams coordinator or assistant yeah, well, special teams coordinator? I guess now, technically, is their D.C., but Kirby's still the D.C. Yeah, Kirby. Well, Landing, I, saw, I think I saw Landing's calling plays in this game. Yeah, I don't I, I don't know. It's weird because, obviously, he, he's now the Oregon coach. And then I saw him in a press conference the other day with Georgia here still on. It's kind of be a weird dynamic. Weird dynamic. Yeah. yeah, very strange. So if you're predicated in your pass game on the play action, you, that's trouble. That's trouble. Because you're trying – essentially, and for anybody who's, who's kind of an average football fan or a below-average football fan, play action passes where the quarterback is going to fake he's handing the ball to the running back and then throw the ball. Why does that matter? The reason that matters is typically that's going to make the linebackers who have both run and pass responsibilities move up. They're going to try and step up towards the line of scrimmage to make a tackle. All of a sudden, they're going, oh, crap, they're throwing the ball. They try to back out. They've created space behind them where they can throw that football. And if they can do that, if if Michigan can get that success, they can come out here and play. I just don't think they can. I think Jordan Davis is going to just maul and maul and maul like he does. Well, and the thing there is, uh, yeah, you've got Jordan Davis you've got to account for in the middle, and you've got a double team, if not triple team, in some plays. But with the play action, when you have the speed at linebacker that Georgia has that we've talked about ad nauseum, like – they can recover even if they bite on that play action fake yeah, a lot absolutely. quicker than other guys can. Absolutely, and that's it's kind of one of those things. And you know, we're going to get a little shot here, I imagine, for being SEC biased. SEC's got a lot of speed, sure. a lot of speed at linebacker. They have not. I, I don't think Michigan's going to have seen this type of speed. No. So what was open in the Big Ten ain't going to be open against this team. Very true. So that gap may look like, oh yep, I can get that ball, and all of a sudden either a hand gets in and knocks it down, or maybe you get a pick. Yeah. Um, so I, I do think Georgia comes out on top here. Yeah, agreed. Um, and switching gears to Alabama, Cincinnati. I love the Cincinnati story. Sure. Being a Gamecock fan who's been underdogs most of. Forever, I guess, really. Yeah. Uh, just by nature, I like underdogs. Would it be cool and great to see them, you know, yada, yada, sure. I just don't see it happening. Yeah, yeah, I don't see it happening either, and I'm with you. It's nice. And, you know, yeah, and you know what? A lot of people, people have been screaming, we're tired of the same teams, we're tired of saying, well, you know, you got some variety this That's year. Right. You got Michigan, you got Cincinnati. But, um, I, yeah, I, I think it'll be – it, it, it would be fun, and it'll be nice, but, you know, as as we'll talk about more probably next week, um, 
Alabama is built for this. Yeah. They are they are built for this, and it is amazing to watch the the press conferences this week, and you see all their players, and you want to talk about a coach who gets their guys dialed in and focused. Every single player up there is singing from the same sheet of That's music. Right. They're saying the same exact thing. We want to be here to win. We're not cared about anything else. We're right. here to win, and and we're heading for uh, a Georgia Bama rematch for sure. I agree with you in my there, and I just don't think. Cincinnati's in the AAC, correct? Yeah. So I mean, the AAC has beat two two South uh, two SEC teams in bowl games. Uh, so I mean, they're you know they're not any slouch. I guess the Alabama, excuse me, Auburn and Florida aren't Alabama, right? You know, they aren't even South Carolina because South Carolina beat both those teams. But you know, AAC, you know, is going to that's going to be the story. Yeah. Do they have the horses to compete with the elite SEC team of Alabama? And I just don't think they do. No. And, and, you know, the story of the SEC, is it Bama, Georgia, a football field, and then everybody else? Maybe so. Yeah, I at mean, least right now. Right now it is. Yeah. And, and so that's fine, but Alabama's still Alabama. Yeah. And you talked about reading from the same uh, sheet of music with Alabama's players and coaches. The other thing I notice, when they get into playoff time, and really into crunch time, the players' mood at press conferences change. Mm-hmm. They're not playing. They're not – joking around they're not playful they take on that Nick Saban mentality of like I don't want to be here I should be preparing I should be lifting weights I should be watching film I should be doing something other than talking to y'all like I need to go play football I need to get ready and and it's a team that takes on his his mentality you know and I saw something Today I saw where somebody asked him if he had a lot of patience and this team <laughs> yeah. challenges patience. He said, I don't have patience for anything. Yeah. I don't have patience to be sitting here talking to you. And he doesn't. Like yeah. he's, he's of that uh, um, Bill Belichick style when it comes to the media. Like, I want to coach football. Yeah. You know, he's not as bad as Belichick. Belichick, I think, goes too far sometimes with that stuff. But Saban's like, you know, I just want, I, I, I don't care about talking to y'all. I want to go win football games. Um and the thing I'll say before we switch gears and, and on that same note, Saban has gotten to a level that I, I say concerns me. He, he doesn't seem to enjoy winning very much, even yeah. winning the national championship. If you watch him when he does, it's just kind of like a very light fist it's like pump. a, yay, we won, on to the next yeah, one. Yeah, now i got to get going. Like, you got to enjoy wins. Yeah. Steve Spurrier, when he was in South Carolina, I mean, granted, let's take the last year and a half out. Right. When we would win games, bowl games, whatever, he'd get up there. What was it, the Commander Bowl where he got up there and declared, you know, all this stuff. And, you know, that was – you got to enjoy winning. If you're not, why are you doing this? Yeah. You're miserable. Yeah. Like, like Berger said the same thing. He said, you know, when I'm not having fun anymore, like that's when I'll hang it up. And he was true to his word on that. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, it's just – you should enjoy it. Yeah. Like, it's a game. At the end of the day, you get to – you get paid, and in these coaches' cases, a whole lot of money, millions of dollars, to, to coach a game. Yeah. And it's great. It, it, listen, I'd love to do it. You'd love to do it. That's why we're sitting here talking football. But if you're not enjoying it, my God. Yeah. It, like, it's, it's the same way, like, if, if you're in a dead-end job that you hate right. going to work every day and you can't even celebrate when you got your TPS report done on time. <laughs> right. Then, yeah, hang it up. Do right. something else. It's time to move on. I mean, you and I do this podcast because we like football. Like, if this became a chore, if I was like, all right, man, it's, it's Wednesday, we got to start recording, yeah. you know, like, then we need to stop doing it. Yeah, and, sure. and, and, you know, goodness gracious, like, you are blessed in the fact that you're not an accountant, you're yeah. not a lawyer, you're not, you know, you're not a nine-to-fiver, 
or longer. Yeah. And, and you get to do what a lot of us would dream to do. And I know there's stress. I'm not saying there's not. But goodness gracious, if you get to the top of the mountain, as many times as he's gotten to the top of the mountain, you ought to enjoy it. Yeah. It's almost like it's almost like they they they've been king of the mountain for so long and now and now there's legitimate contenders trying to pull them off, whether it's Clemson or now Georgia, Oklahoma, those right. teams. It's almost like the stress is getting to him a little bit. Yeah, and I and he's made comments this season in particular about Alabama fans not appreciating how good oh, they yeah. are. And, yeah. and I get I get what he's saying. And I mean Dabo, not to bring him back up, but they've won a lot in the past, you know, 10, 11 years. He has made comments about yeah. Clemson fans not appreciating winning. Yeah. And quite honestly, the very tiny window of super success Carolina had, a three-year season uh, or three-year window there of 11 wins in a row, fans started to get, you know, yeah. it, that is to me when I would – if I'm Nick Saban, I'm getting frustrated. Oh, yeah. You know, like, guys, we're in the playoffs for the umpteenth time. Yeah. You know, we had another Heisman winner. We're going for national championship number eight or yeah. number seven. Like, what are you complaining about? So, anyway. All right. So, the real reason we're here to talk today is, as Gamecock fans, Thomas is in a Gamecock shirt. I'm in a Gamecock shirt. Uh, South Carolina played a bowl game today, beat North Carolina in Charlotte. Duke's Mayo Bowl, you know, uh, formerly the Belk Bowl. I can't. I think, was it ever the Queen City Bowl? I feel like it was at one point. I don't know. That's a deep cut. That's old school. But anyway, Thomas, I'm just to start off, I'm going to be dead honest, I didn't think we had a chance. No, no, going in this game I did not either. I just thought their offense was going to be way too much for us. Way too much. We had guys out, mm-hmm. both through COVID situations and opting out. And let me just state for the record, with Carolina, South Carolina's players who opted out, I have no problem with it. J.J. Enikbare has a good chance of being a number one draft pick. Or, sorry, first round draft I was pick. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry. First round draft pick. Sure. Don't sacrifice that opportunity. No. Um, Zaquandre White, similar early first day draft, yeah. you know, type guy. At least there's nothing he could have done today to yeah. improve. There's no, his nothing stock. to gain. Nothing yeah. to gain. Cam Smith was out, but that was for COVID protocol, mm-hmm. I believe. Mm-hmm. So with all of those pieces missing. And then you had Jason Brown, who, again, I understand, went into the transfer portal. Spencer Radler's coming next season. Jason, Jason Brown's got one year of eligibility left. He wants to play, yeah. and I get that. And so there was a lot of ifs and a lot of missing pieces. And South Carolina's offense, in particular, had not really shown a whole lot this season. And there was no real reason for me as a Gamecock fan or a football person to go, yep, they're going to go out there and score – what was the final? 38 to 21. 38 points. Yeah. I, if you would have given me, you know, any kind of bet, odds, South Carolina scores more than 30 points in this game, I'd be like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm yeah, and, and the thing is, is this uh, South Carolina came out early, uh, held them, I think, to three and out, or they may have gotten one first down in the first drive. Right. Uh, UNC obviously got the opening kickoff and then marched down and scored and then scored again and got the two-point conversion That's on right. the second touchdown. Right. And basically, South Carolina was in control the whole time of that yep. game. Yep. Very surprising offensively. One of the things, I, I think this is an instant reaction, but I noticed this. When we got up 15, so we're up double digits, right? We never lost being up double digits. Yeah, that's right. We that's never right. lost being up double digits. Even when North Carolina mounted a little bit of a comeback there, they never got super, super close. Yeah. Um, you know, the first thing I'll say about the offense, and, and anybody who's listened to this podcast knows I've been a harsh, harsh critic of, of Marcus Satterfield. And 
I think there's been a lot of things that are inexcusable this season. Today doesn't change that. But if we talk about just today, his game plan was innovative. It was creative. It was tendency-breaking. And then in the game, when I texted you about this when the game was going on, in the game when North Carolina adjusted to all of that, and started to kind of stop some of that movement, he shifted. And he mm-hmm. went. He stuck with Dak Joyner in there um, at quarterback for the most part with Zeb coming in. I liked how he used that. But he changed the attack midway through the game to more of a here's Kevin Harris coming up the middle at you, you know, that kind of thing. Did I feel like Dak finished the game perfect, 9 of 9? Nine. 9 of 9, 160 yards and a touchdown, no picks. That is Phenomenal. Let's dig into that for a minute right. because I, I started thinking about something earlier. And you know, Dak for for any South Carolina fan that, that has followed this this team, you know, recently his career here has had he's been kind of all over the place. Came in as quarterback, we moved into wide receiver immediately, and then I think it was two years ago mm-hmm. he came in off the bench to quarterback for an injured Halinski and led us to a victory over number yep. three Georgia. That's correct. Is Dak Joyner, and then today had, had a phenomenal game, had, had just a, a great game, good decisions, good throws, everything. Couldn't have asked for much more out of him. Is Dak Joyner the low-key hero of this program for the last three years? When you look at the biggest wins of this program, Georgia a couple years ago, today, yeah, you know, hey, one thing you forgot, East Carolina. Oh yeah, he has a great catch in the back of the end zone mm-hmm. to keep us in in charge there and win that game. He's made big plays. You know, he's been much maligned. Uh, I thought until today, anyway, the wildcat package he was given was not broad enough. Yeah, and, and very one dimensional. Right, and so they're teeing off on yeah. uh, on him, and it, they had this mentality which helped us today. Your brother, David, actually, David Bowen, shout out, texted me as we were recording and said, who knew that uh, Marcus Satterfield was sandbagging this whole season to show right. us he was a genius <laughs> right. today? That's one of the things. I was like, did you wait till the bowl to go, hey, yeah. Dak, we're going to let you throw this ball? Yeah. And, or did Dak feel more calm? I, I don't know. I did see something on Twitter. Or did Dak say to hell with the call? Uh, this is what I'm doing. I'm just doing it. Yeah. Uh, I, I did see on Twitter, and if this is true, this is genius. I think David Conger uh, tweeted this out. The only time for the past month, so bowl preparation, that Dak Joyner worked at court, uh, wide receiver in d- was during open practice. Huh. So when the media was there, okay. he was at wide receiver. All when right. it was closed, he was at QB exclusively. I like it. Genius. I like it. That is some Steve Spurrier, uh, yeah. deep cut, Shane Beamer, Marcus Satterfield. I don't know who all did it. That's some great stuff right there. Yeah. That is some great stuff right there. And because I will tell you, when we when he came out on the field for the first play of the game on offense, I was like, "Here we go with this nonsense." Uh, you know, here we go. He's gonna hand it off up the middle. Da 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 da. Here we go. Let's talk about Jaheim Bell. Oh, dude had like thirty plus fantasy points today. Him and he Christmas did he play a great game? Uh, Mike Golick pointed out, Mike Golick Jr. Excuse me, which we'll talk about the nastiness they were doing in the booth with mayonnaise in yeah. a second. Um that he had just, as good of a throw as Dak made, it was supposed to be a post, and Dak kind of... You're talking about the first touchdown? First touchdown. He had just underneath it to straighten out. It was designed to be a post, and he had just underneath to straighten out and catch that ball in stride. And 
that's some athletic stuff. Like that's amazing. It really was, and because when when because for for listeners, if you remember, Dak got a little flushed out of right. that, and honestly, it was it was a. Uh, Based on mechanics, his throw, he was he didn't have his feet set, he was, he was squared straight ahead. It was it looked like he just slung it. And I said, This is gonna be picked off. This yep. is hundred percent gonna be picked yep. off. And it ended up again because of Jaheem's adjustment to the ball. He caught it in stride and walked into the end zone. And I will say also though, yes, that's accurate with his what I just said and what you just said about the adjustment Bell made, but the ball still had some good pepper on it. Yeah, it did. To be throwing it off your back foot, as as one of my coaches used to say, throwing it from your laces. Yeah. Yeah, that was a pretty pretty good ball. Yeah. I mean, it was didn't flutter. It wasn't, and it was all arm. Like yeah. you said, that he didn't load up. He right. didn't plant. There was no legs. And, I mean, that was, was impressive. Not bad. Not a bad move there. Jaheim Bell also, I think, before that play or after, I can't remember which, had a pretty good run before that. It was before yeah. that he had a pretty yeah. good where run. he hit the edge. Yes, yes, yeah. and he did that a lot in the spring when we were short running backs because Harris was hurt. And, and you know Zaquandre was getting some looks and everything else. I you know speaking of switching gears for just a second, let's talk about Kevin Harris. Let's talk about that player and that person. He, I, I don't think we knew how banged up he was right the beginning of this season. Back surgery is never good. Thomas, you and I both have some back issues. Yeah, you can't really do a whole lot when your back no. hurts. And he was different. And then I, I heard on the broadcast today, apparently he was sick at one point. Man, I don't know if it was COVID-related or whatever. They had an ankle thing. And then at Florida, he looked like the Kevin Harris of old. Yeah. And today he looked like the Kevin Harris of 2020. That man was getting hit at the three-yard point and taking dudes to the 12-yard point. Yeah, fantastic yards after contact. Um, it looked like uh, the the Kevin Harris of old, very workmanlike, yeah. feeding him. Um, there were there were two things I noticed, um, and I know that that you got fired up about this, uh, particularly as somebody who's an offensive guy that loves yeah. the the smash mouth footballs we yeah, call it, where sure. you load it up. So on the there was a, a third and one. The first time I saw this in the game, third and one in the third quarter, we had that loaded backfield. Yep. And we motioned Nick Muse out, and, yep. there was, and and Harris was lined up like a fullback, right? Almost in an eye formation, but it looked like an offset eye. And then we motioned Muse out, and they handed it off to him as a fullback, mash it for the first down. And I knew that you got fired up oh, about yeah. that because number one, you love to see the fullback get the ball. Love a fullback. I love that. I haven't seen a lot of that yeah. all year. That yeah. was very innovative. And number two, on right before the. Right before the first half ended, Juju McDowell's touchdown. We were in 31 personnel, yeah. three tight ends, yeah. one running back. Unbelievable. Which, which is power football. Oh, absolutely. That's that ace set that you and I talk yeah. about all the time. I love seeing that. I think that is with the tight ends we have and with the running game, particularly when you have Juju in there, a smaller, shiftier yeah. guy. Great personnel, great play call. And on that particular play you're talking about, uh, EJ Jenkins had an amazing block out. Yes, front. and and it was funny. Jason Brown, who's in the transfer portal, tweeted out, "Why is why is why is EJ blocking with one hand?" And I went back and I looked. He had he had one hand in that dude's chest the whole time, <laughs> and was like, "I'm not getting called for holding." Yeah. I promise you that. And speaking of good blocks on the edge, Nick Muse later in the game just. I call it – we don't call them pancakes in the offensive line room when you do that to somebody. We call it a freight train. Pancake's one thing. You knock guy on his butt. Right. When you're on a run and he's on a run and y'all meet, freight train came through and, and knocked you over. I like it. Muse, 
hit him. And here's the thing that if you've never blocked anybody in space, you don't understand. It's real easy to hug in that mm-hmm. situation and get a holding. Yeah. It's real, You're real, moving, def- the right. defender's moving. It's it's just your it's your reaction. Yeah. Oh, man, he's going to jump around me. Oh, I'm going to hug him. Yeah. And you're getting holding, and it's right there on the edge. You're, everybody can see you, the ref, everybody. He chopped, kept his hand. I watched it. This is clearly something they've worked on in practice. He had his hands inside. He clenched. We used to call it clenching down on your ribs. Get yeah. those elbows in your ribs. And then he plowed through that dude. That wasn't just a... A shoulder hit. That was a textbook. I'm gonna block on the edge move, yeah. and that is impressive. Yeah. What a cut block. What it was just. A, I'm gonna hit you. It was a thing of beauty. And, and you know, we had so many plays like that today. Speaking of blocking, the offensive line. Other Zeb got sacked maybe once or twice. I think. All respect to to Bert, uh, our general Zeb uh, Zebediah uh, <laughs> on Twitter. He's a bit of a statue back there. Yeah. And, and at one point, the one situation I, I really disagreed with, we spread out. We were in, uh, I think, we had two backs beside him, and we went to five wide. Yeah. And he's empty. Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm, if I'm UNC, I'm like, uh, teeing off. Go, yeah. go, 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 go. That guy can't run to save his life. And that's what they did. Yeah. And, and he got sacked. I didn't like that. But other than that play, the offensive line, all season, communication, 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 communication. We were communicating the heck out of it today. I saw protections being called from the center. We've talked Back about that it. before. Yep. That was been a, that was a, a big key to our running success against Florida and against Auburn as That's well. Right. And I saw that today, and I just I, I don't know where it's been. I don't know. Where well, it's been. and I think it was because you can't ask Dak, even if he did play a lot of quarterback in practice, point, yeah. in a month to be able to be involved in that. Yeah, you're not. You're trying to not bog him down, which I hope, and I, you know. Good coaches, smart people. That I imagine that Marcus Satterfield, Shane Beamer, the whole office staff, they're going to go back and watch every single game. Yeah. This offseason they will watch probably multiple times. I guarantee multiple times. And I hope they look at successful games. This game, Auburn, Florida, to the second half of Vandy, that sort of thing, and say, what was the common denominator? Common denominator, we didn't ask the quarterback to get involved. Yes, it's obvious. It, 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 and it, it's it's painfully obvious. Yeah. Because Eric Douglas takes his left hand, because he's right hand, he's got his, his right hand on the ball, and, and tells the quarterback, stop. Yeah, hold on. Yeah. Let me fix this. And and it's beautiful. Yeah. It's, now, there's one thing. When a quarterback is echoing what the center is saying, I don't have a problem with that. I don't like if the center is saying, hey, 47's the mic, 47's the mic, and then the quarterback's going up and down the line going, 47's the mic, 47's the mic, which, by the way, mic means middle linebacker. That's fine. Don't ask him to identify that. Don't ask him to identify that. And it didn't feel like we were doing that today. Um, and that's great. Yeah, yeah, we weren't, we weren't, and we weren't telegraphing things either. I, I see a lot of, so we saw a lot of that this year with our offensive line right. telegraphing. Um, zone blocking schemes and things. Uh, so it was nice to see that. Uh, before we switch over to defense, big shout out to Parker White. Yes. Set at least a record today. Most career points, I believe, broke Elliot Fry's record, I think, from right. before. Right. Hell of a game. Hell right. of a career. Really thankful for that young man. So I tweeted about this. When he was a freshman, my mom, who's, who's sadly uh, passed away now, his first name, Parker, is my grandmother, my mom's mom, my Mimi. Parker, it was her maiden name. Okay. So my mom instantly loved him. Yeah. And then you remember when he was a freshman, he struggled. Oh, yeah. And so she always felt bad for yeah. him. Mom's always about the underdogs. Yeah, for and sure. And so I, I imagine and I believe my mom was smiling down watching this game oh, today yeah. from heaven as he got 
that record. Oh, like yeah. I imagine that was like mom's big cheers moment up up in heaven with her glass of red wine because that was the first thought I had. Because oh, I yeah. remember she felt so bad for him. Because <laughs> right. his freshman year was a struggle. Oh, it was bad. Oh, I was pissed at him. Right. Yeah, he, he was not somebody I wanted to kick in the ball very yeah. often. And for him to go from that to where he is is just awesome. Yeah, so no we, doubt, no doubt Gene enjoyed that one. Yeah, Gene definitely enjoyed that. Shout out mom. Um so switching over to defense, again Clayton White and his defensive staff have done a great job this year. Absolutely. They overperformed. Was, there was no question going into my mind or going into this game in my mind that we were going to have a good plan. Mm-hmm. My question was could we execute it? Yeah. And, and boy did we. Yeah. And it was, you know, I hate to say this. This is no disrespect to JJ. I felt like our pass rush was better today than I've seen this season. Yeah, I think there's something to be said for that. And, and I don't know. I, I've thought about that a lot as I watched the game and then reflected on it as I was driving over here and thinking about, you know, I, I, it, it's weird. It, it's, you know, and I don't know if that was a product of, uh, you know, JJ getting doubled up and you know you think well then that opens up somebody right. else but you know it, it, it can kind of screw up some of your lanes and things right. like that particularly right. if you're not anticipating that the the one stat that I saw though which I think was was probably the most impressive UNC didn't have a third down conversion until under seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter I remember that is phenomenal that defense is great defense and and UNC another thing I heard during the commentary was uh, they were the second rushing team in the ACC, the like, yeah. average per game, and, and yeah. got, you know, I, Sam Howell hurt us more as a runner than either of their running backs. Yeah. They had the big they had the big draw. Uh, by the way, two holding calls were just blatantly oh, not God. called. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of hugging people. Um, Zach Pickens was held almost uh, the entire uh, game. Almost a game, a whole and game. still made a made, sack. Made sacks, had yeah. plays in the backfield. So, yeah. And so did um, Jabari Levy. Uh, yeah. he, he made, is that, wait, is that right, 99? Ellis, Jabari yeah. Ellis. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jabari Levy may have played for us at offensive line a long yeah. time ago. Anyway, we had a couple of beers. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Um, but he, uh, the defensive line was getting held a, a lot. But it was, our defensive game was so good. The one thing that's still obvious to me, and this is not a shot at these guys, because they're, they're playing their hearts out. Our linebackers, our linebacker speed overall is lacking. Yeah. And that draw was was obvious. Yeah. It, they they got shifted, they got out of spot. Safeties could have taken some better angles, but the safeties, you know, are trying to read and, and do all that and in a draw situation that becomes an issue. But yeah, our, our linebacker flow was just not great. They they're great coming downhill. Damani yeah. Staley had a sack today. Yep. I mean, you know, they, they played some some great football. It's just in that, like I say, feet and mud yeah. situation. He, we, you can see our sideline to sideline yeah. speed is not ideal. You could also see, speaking of, of, of angles and taking some bad angles, uh, I did notice uh, Marcellus Dial, who, who overall had, had a really good game. Mm-hmm. Um, we, you and I talked about this earlier. Was There was a time where um, we talk about DBs have to be able to flip their hips. Yes. When they're running in stride with a wide receiver and that right. wide receiver breaks, and you don't know where he's going to break, but he breaks, you've got to be able to flip your hips. and You've got to be able to turn in stride with him and right. go. There, there were a lot of times where – Dial gave up the inside route where right. we did not have a safety help over the right. top. You can't give up inside leverage if you don't have a safety top safety helper over the top. So he's got to work on that. And I think that is really just just inexperience right. and, and getting used to the speed of the SEC game. It'll come. Well, and I, I agree with you, and I can tell 
North Carolina was looking for that. Yeah. And, and as an offensive coach, you're going to tell your wide receiver, he's, is dialed 24, 24? 24. If you get 24 on you and run in a post, give him an outside step yeah. and then come inside because oh, yeah. he's going to over he's going to overreact sure. and you're going to be able to beat him inside easier. I saw that a couple times. Was it his play that was the nice swat? Yes, it that was, was beautiful. beautiful. He timed that perfectly. It was like he was high-pointing it, got right. a hand on it perfectly. That was, that was phenomenal. Got defense. his head around, did yeah. a great job. It's just – and like you said, it comes with time and experience, that shiftiness. And yeah. they'll, they'll get him stretching out and get his hips. You know, the college strength and conditioning game is so much different than high school. Oh, yeah. and, and it can just change you dramatically. And I think he's going to really, really, really benefit from that. All right, Thomas, so as we're talking about reactions, let's just, you know, I'm going to put you on the spot. I haven't even told you we were going to have this conversation. Uh-oh. We both were in the same camp, which was we need a off, new offensive coordinator. Yes. Did today change that for you at all, or a little bit, or what? What are your What are your thoughts there? It did not change at all for me. I, I'm I'm glad, and and also, you know, who knows what's going on up in the booth? Who sure. knows who had the most influence on this game plan? Right. Another shout out to my brother. He said it well after this game. He said. That was a great win, but if if that win means Satterfield is still around, it may be the worst win in Carolina football history. So I do agree and disagree with that to, to both extents. Here's the deal. It seems, and we've read this and we've seen this, Spencer Rattler coming to South Carolina. That's, that's a, it's happening. Right. Form some kind of a bond with Marcus Satterfield. If you listen to what Spencer Rattler's personal quarterback coach that he's worked with for a long time says and this, that, and the other, it's supposedly also been said that Rattler wants to play in a pro-style offense with NFL aspirations. Clearly that's the goal a lot of these guys sure. have, particularly Spencer Rattler. I, <laughs> you know, recency biased, right? Recency bias. what have you done for me lately? Mm-hmm. Today's game plan showed all the things – we want to see out of an offensive coordinator. But here's the thing. There is no next week. Right. That's what killed us this season. We would have a big game, look good, and then the next week would fall flat. Yeah. And as somebody, I pointed this out on a message board, posed this question on a message board, how did this change? The same question I asked you just now, how, if any, did this change your opinion of Marcus Satterfield? A lot of people said, I've fallen for this fool, fool's gold before. <laughs> I'm not doing it. Da, da, da. And one of the best points somebody made was he's not going to have a month to prepare for every game. Ooh, that is a great, great point. So that is a great point. The, the other question, and Mike Golick Jr. brought that up. He's, he's kind of polarizing. I think he's got a good amount of football sense, obviously, played yeah. at the college level. I, I think he said at one point eight, difference, eight different offensive linemen played – this season with six different offensive linemen combinations of five out there. Yeah. That's hard on communication. For sure. We know Kevin Harris, we just talked about it, was not the Kevin Harris that we had in 2020. There was a lot of movement at quarterback. Doty's hurt. Zeb gets hurt. Brown comes in. You know, I, I'm not making a case for Marcus Satterfield. I think, I think Shane's decision may have just gotten a little bit more difficult. Because, like, I, here, we can reel off good games offensively today against UNC. Florida, obviously. 
Auburn was kind of it was a big win, but it was yeah. sort of so-so for sure. Yeah. Uh, East Carolina wasn't bad. Eastern Illinois, you kind of throw out. We were, yeah, you, you know, yeah. The now here's some games that the offense cost us, in my opinion. Missouri, mm-hmm. Kentucky. Yes. I think in Tennessee, things got started to unravel Very because of how our offense was playing. Yeah. Um, you can't. I mean, the defense got scorched some, but Tennessee does that to people right yeah, now. That's how that offense um, is designed. But so it's when you think about it, we just kind of went fifty-fifty-ish. Yeah. At the game level, so first-year coordinator, uncertainty at quarterback, a lot of shifting at at, at OL. I'm not. Listen, if Shane Beamer comes out this evening and says Marcus Satterfield has decided he's going to move on and go coach X team, or we've decided to part ways with him. Thanks, thanks for a great thanks for a great Mayo Bowl win. I'm not going to be tearful at right. all. I am less – I'm going to be less upset if he says, hey, we're going to keep him than I was before today. Because I'll be honest, I expected an egg because yeah. we have seen a lot of eggs this season, especially with no Jason Brown, no Zaquandre White, no – you know, this, that, and the other. And – it was creative. It was innovative. There was a good adjustment. But I do, as the poster said on the board, said we're not going to have a month to get ready for every game. So I just don't know. I don't. I, it, it gave me more pause than I've had, gave me more thought than I've had. But, again, I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm still on the it's okay if he goes. Yeah. But I'm less of like – pitchforks and torches if he stays. I think there's something to be said, and I'm not saying that I'm in this camp, but there is something to be said for, hey, well, particularly after this game, saying, hey, let's give him another year where he knows who his quarterback's going right. to be, he knows what he's got going in, and he can game plan an entire season, honestly, right. around it and see what happens. Now, maybe it is the perennial Gamecock pessimism in mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. that I am thinking, you know, well, you know, how, how much of today was on him? Right. How much of it? Who knows? We right. never know what goes on behind the scenes. True. Maybe he's already accepted another job. Maybe he's just there for, for finishing out this recruiting cycle, which right. we just finished up, and we we're like, well, you know, we got to have him there for the bowl game. Maybe this game plan was was done by by Step and Kimry and those guys. Sure. We don't know that. Yeah, we but, do. but, we do have to go off of what we saw on the field. Um, I'm not one of these fans that says, well, if he's back, I'm just renouncing all my Gamecock fandom. Right. I'm not going to be supremely upset about it because at this point as a Gamecock fan, you don't really have that latitude. Right. you, you got to kind of take it for what it is. So we, I'll be interested to see what happens. Well, and I think the other thing is, it, like I said, it, it made Shane Beamer's, if there was ever a decision to make, uh, it, in his mind anyway, it made that that decision harder yeah. in my mind because, like I said, you can list off great game plans and you can list off terrible game plans. Yeah. And there's a couple times early in the season particularly it felt like the terrible game plans mm-hmm. uh, weighed them. Now, Clemson was a debacle. Yeah. Clemson was an absolute debacle. First time we've been shut out since 1989. Just bad. And, and so I don't know what happened there. You know, I will say, and again, I'm not trying to dump on anybody. I do feel like we need a new OL coach. Yeah. Uh, I think Coach Atkins, I think, is a good guy. I think he knows ball. 
I do think he has some health issues we've had alluded to. Might be time, you know, Robbie Cardwell up at Clemson has announced he's retiring and not coming back. He's one of the best offensive line coaches. Yeah, I was like, does ever. he really want to retire? Or can right. we bring him down yeah. to Columbia? Come on back. Come on back. Uh, all right, not back. Come on down. He's never yeah. been with us. He, he's a genius. Uh, and I just – my reasoning for saying that is there were fundamental issues that bothered me at, yeah. at offensive line this year, step-wise and, and, and hand positions and just things that shouldn't happen. Fundamental basics. Right, right. Yeah. Basics that shouldn't happen. Is that a, a product of youth, though? Right. And – you know, like Watermaker, for example, I've talked about him a lot. And he was all SEC freshman this year. Yeah. And I think those coaches who wrote that in saw a guy who's kind of raw, hadn't played at the college level, was used to mauling, was recruited to play inside, hadn't got the right tackle because of an injury, and they gave him some benefit of the doubt. It's just hard to know. But long story short, ending your season on a victory, a bowl victory, is huge. Always. And, and I'm just going to say this. Anybody who says bowl games don't matter, don't get football. Uh oh, <laughs> I've stepped on some toes here. No, here's what I'm gonna say. I I know where you're coming from, and because I'm 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 kind of laughing to myself because I was literally uh, about to say like, these games don't matter, but it, it is nice to end it on a win. Think about this. You and I both play golf, not very well, but Correct. we play golf. Correct. What two drives do you want to be your best drives? The first hole and the, the 18th. Last. That's right. You want to end that round with That's a right. good drive. So it's just it just puts a better taste in your mouth going into the offseason. So while I do think in the end they don't right. really matter, but a win is a lot more fun. Well, let me say what I mean by that, and I guess I'm kind of backpedaling now. Number one, it gets you extra practice, an extra month of practice. Number two, like you just said, you're ending – not just a great drive on 18. Let's imagine you par 18 or you even birdie 18 and you've played like a dog all day. You can shoot 100 or more and come back with a birdie on 18 and be like, I'll be back tomorrow. You know, it helps with guys going in to off-season weight training. Mm-hmm. I do think it helps with recruiting. Oh, I mean, yeah. I, yeah. It helps you with momentum. So, I, you know, it is that. It, is it an, essentially at this point an exhibition game? Absolutely. But there's a reward feel to it. Yeah. If, if you make a bowl game, they do, and COVID has messed some of this up. I mean, they, the South Carolina and North Carolina did the drive-along thing at, or at uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway. They went yeah. to Belks and got to go buy stuff. There's just a, a, a feeling of, hey, we, we accomplished something. Right. Does winning the Duke's Mayo Bowl, are we putting that trophy in our trophy case if we're South Carolina, maybe we don't Probably, have a whole lot of trophies. Yeah. We're trying to fill but up some space. Is is Clemson putting the Cheez-Its Bowl win in their trophy case? Probably not. Probably not. Would Alabama, if they had a bad year, do that? Probably not. Oh, my God. But there's a sense of a, a feeling of accomplishment. Yeah. And I'll say it this way. We were 6-6 six and six coming in. We're now 7-6. and six. Looks a hell of a lot better than 6-7. and seven. And I saw today Shane Beamer is now the first South Carolina head football coach to have won a bowl game in his first season, and I hate to say this and jinx him, since 1994 with wow. Brad Scott. Wow, that is that a fact? Yep. Huh. Spurrier took us, right. but didn't win. Yep, yep. Uh, Muschamp that. took us, didn't win. I remember that. Um, you know, so you know, it was it's one of those things where, I guess it's just a feeling, you know. Yeah. I, it, and as a player, it feels like you – a lot of times, I mean, granted, Charlotte, no, no disrespect, Charlotte, you know, these guys have been to Charlotte. If you get to right. go to 
you know, Miami or you get to go wherever. It's more of a destination feel. But yeah. that's the other thing is you get to go, hey, man, we're playing here. We're playing there. And you get to be treated like a VIP. You have the dinners or the banquets. Anyway, great way to end the season for Carolina. You know, Clemson wins their bowl game. We will see the playoffs. If, you're, if anybody from Alabama – Georgia, Michigan, or Cincinnati's football staff is listening right now. Take your players, wrap them in saran wrap, yes. close their hotel door, don't let them out. Yeah. We, we, we cannot have COVID ruining the college football playoffs. Just make sure you've got the rest of that hotel balled out and don't let anybody right. not associated with the program into it. You've got enough boosters that you can you can end it. From All the right. love of everything, That's I do right. not want to miss any games. All right, Thomas, good talk, good times. Tell the people whatever you'd like to tell them. I would, I would like to tell the people that uh, this is a, a great way to, to roll into the finale here of bowl season. Looking forward to some great playoff games, and um, we'll see you guys next week. Here we go. See you later. Bye.